and welcome to Everybody A, Everybody Gay. A queer exploration of Pretty Little Liars. And tonight, of Teenage Bounty Hunters. With yes. your hosts, Speak Pirate, a.k.a. Joanna. I'm here, I'm queer, and I have a cat named Spencer. And your other host, LCO123, a.k.a. Vina, a proud member of the Church Oh, and tonight we are off the PLL beat just a little bit uh, to talk about the excellent Netflix show, Teenage Bounty Hunters. Yes, yes. Joanna recommended that I check this show out, and I am so, so, so glad she did because it is just such a delight. Cannot recommend it enough. Um, Big spoiler alert, spoiler alert here. We will be talking spoilers for this season And this is a show that you want to go in unspoiled if possible. So if you haven't watched the show and you think you might pause this, watch the show, come back, you'll, you'll probably binge it really quickly. It's a very bingeable show. Um, But yes, we're going to, we're going to be talking about a lot of things that go on during the season. So. Yeah. And I had a really good time. I went into it unspoiled. I had read an article that said like, this article contains spoilers. We really recommend that you don't do it. You watch the show first and then come back. And I did that. And I'm so glad that I did. It would have been, I mean, it still would have been fun, but it would have been significantly less fun. I think if I knew uh, all the twists and turns that were coming. Yeah. All I knew is that, um, that it got queer at some point, but I didn't know which twin would turn out to be queer. Um, I didn't know when the queerness was going to happen, and um, I'm I was I'm so glad about that because man, experiencing it for the first time was truly delightful. Yes, yes. So uh, hopefully, everybody who's proceeding past this point has watched the show, um, and the show. Uh, if if anybody, I guess, hasn't, but is is choosing to just go ahead, uh, it is about two sisters uh who are twins who uh kind of happen into uh, a life of bounty hunting as their after school job yes yes um these twins uh they live in atlanta they live um they go to a, a very christian school and um they are both of these characters i think we could say share a lot of dna with Uh, some of the characters on PLL. You have um, Sterling, who is sort of the, the, um, a little bit more nervous, uptight, school-oriented twin, and Blair, who is um, a little bit more of the wild child. I had this, I had this revelation as I was doing some notes today. Is Blair the Spana baby? She might be, because she's very... Uh, one of the things that made me recommend the show to you was that, uh, I feel like it had like the twins themselves and particularly Blair had a lot of Spencer Hastings energy to them. Yes. But I also feel like Blair has a lot of Hannah in her as well. Yeah, Yeah. definitely true. Um, and yes. And so throughout the season, you're sort of uh, experiencing them going through, you know, Um, trying to kind of balance their bounty hunting with being teenagers and being in relationships and dealing with school. Um, And also this sort of simmering family mystery regarding something that went on with their mother's past that gets revealed at the end of the season. Um, And part of the reason that we are so excited about this show is that 
about halfway through the season, Sterling, the twin who had uh, previously before the series started, been in a, a long-term relationship with her uh, boyfriend from middle school, uh, realizes that she is, in fact, queer and uh, very attracted to her um, female school nemesis who used to be her best friend. Uh, and it is like every Rory Paris fic come to life <laughs> on your screens. Just, it's like, I really, when I was watching it, I was like, this is like one of the best, I feel like this is like one of the best queer teen um, storylines that I've seen in some time. I completely agree with that. And I feel like, um, I feel like the way that it starts out, because when the show opens, um, both of the twins are dating with various degrees of seriousness, uh, these, these boys uh, who, who they're involved with. And pretty quickly over the course of the first half of the season, we see those relationships disintegrate. And then like both of them have to kind of look around and decide like, what is it that they want? Who is it that they want? How, you know, how does this inform like their identities and, you know, their, their romantic lives going forward. Um, And so for the first half of the season, uh, April, the the nemesis who the nemesis turned uh, love interest, is not cast as a love interest. She's just like a, a rival. She's just the Paris to the Rory. And then when they do wind up getting together, there's a moment uh, when I think Sterling asks the question, like, "Was this here all along?" And we we just froze it. Uh, and I feel like that was such a great moment because their relationship prior to that could have been Rory and Paris. It could have been Buffy and Faith. It could have been so many of these queer relationships that we have seen before with the queer stuff just relegated to the world of subtext. And on this show, we got to see it blossom into main text. And with that line, it's like it indicates that that could have happened with any of those other relationships, but the writers just never made that choice. Yeah, and and I think it's um it's sort of the the magic of like this kind of television screenwriting versus something like PLL where it's like you're you know it's there are so many episodes to fill and it's going you know it's being released over a series of months, um having it all be contained and obviously like they wrote and shot everything before they released any of it like so it's this complete story you know there's this complete arc with Sterling and April. And it, it's just, it's just really good. Like, it's just very well done. It makes so much sense, but it still somehow is surprising. It doesn't feel shoehorned in. They both feel like complete characters. It doesn't feel like one of them is just slated as like the love interest character. And the way that Sterling recognizes her feelings for April is really something I don't think I've really ever seen in a, in a, teen story um which is and also is just like hilarious and great which is that at the end of episode six april is yelling at sterling and so sterling has been spending the whole episode like trying to feel some kind of spark for somebody new after having broken up with her boyfriend and also uh sort of grappling with the fact that she has never had an orgasm and she spends the whole episode making out with all these random guys and 
like it's like kind of working for her, but like nothing's like really getting her going. And April arm, and that is all it takes. Sterling has to run into like a supply closet and masturbate, and with like visions of April like flashing in her brain, and it's like it's like shocking and wonderful in the best way. It is. It is. I completely agree. I think this is a really unique show. There's nothing like, you know, you can say like, it, you know, it puts you in mind of PLL in this ways or like these relationships remind you of like characters on other shows. But like the the particular like gestalt of this show is is all its own. Uh, and it's a little yeah. bit daring. It's a little bit risky. Both characters, both twins have really like fleshed out sexuality for for mm-hmm. teen girls and are not like afraid to explore that and to say what they want and to pursue what they want. I I think when I was texting you about it, I even said like it's sort of like Spencer Hastings meets Lila Garrity uh, from Friday Night Lights. Uh, yeah, because like that's another character. These characters also they go to a Christian high school. Uh, religion is like a big influence in their lives, and I feel like. Showing that and also showing like just like the full bodied nature of their of their unapologetic sexuality, I think is a really interesting choice and a really unconventional one. I totally, totally agree. And one of the things that I love about the show is that it allows them to have sort of differing angles on their own relationship to sexuality. Um, but also be very, like, um, supportive of one another. Like, Blair is very clear that she's like, I say what I want, I ask for what I want, like, that. that is how I, like, get pleasure. And But also Blair is, becomes, you know, has her first sexual experience, uh, um, or has, has sex for the first time, like, later in the season than Sterling. And, and... One of my favorite parts of the season is actually Sterling experiencing the fallout um, of sort of um, coming out as sexually active to uh, the her her the student body at her school, and and the, all of the conflict that she goes through about um, you know how can something that feels so good be bad, and ha- sort of how do I get a handle on my own desires. Um, and, and then it's, it's really echoed beautifully later in the season when she says to April that she is done hiding parts of herself. It's like, she really gets to have this arc of owning, um, not just her sexual orientation, but like her experience of sexuality. Um, and yeah, it's, 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 I have specific their teen sexuality, because I just feel like that's something we so rarely get especially for female characters. Yeah, that is definitely true. And I also just enjoy, like if you like PLL and the way that the female, uh, the female friendships are really at the core of the show, uh, the, the bond between Blair and Sterling is really the heart and soul of what makes this show tick uh, in a yes. way that feels similar to me uh, to the, the best moments of PLL. Yeah, I I completely I completely agree. Like that's sort of the axis that their world turns on. Um, and the show does a really, I think, a really interesting thing where like they're opposite they're opposites who love each other. Like it's it seems like so often the twin dynamic is like in shows is like either like the Cindy and Mindy thing. Like they're basically the same person, 
or it's like they're opposites who like hate each other. Um, but in this case, they're 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 different, but they're also very compatible, and they also just are kind of obsessed with each other in this really lovely way. Um, and one of my favorite sort of things that I love that is is really um, a difference from PLL is this is you know giant spoiler alert, but at the end of the very very end of the season, we find out that Sterling is in fact. Uh, the daughter of um, of uh, who she believed to be her aunt, that Sterling and Blair are actually not um, not twins. Although I guess because the bi- the biology is a little fuzzy because their mothers are identical. Anyway, but they're not. You know, they were not. In, they did not share a womb. And um, all season long, one of the running sort of gags is the two of them having these like intense um, like twin mind reading sessions that are just so great and they get a lot of like important information across to each other and it's not like the show is like it, it works so well because it's like it's saying it's not the biology of this matters so much less than the connection that these two girls have having grown up together and loving one another and living under the same roof and going through so many of the same experiences which feels like such a sharp contrast to PLL, which especially by the end, it was like biology trumps everything, you know? And like, it doesn't matter um, like who you love or who you've grown up with or, or how you've changed as a person, your biology determines your entire fate. Well, yeah. And PLL also like in the world of PLL, uh, it's extremely rare to have a character be adopted and then, like, go on to have a, a good life in a loving family. Um, yeah. Like, Charlotte is ostensibly adopted by the De Laurentiis and then winds up growing up inside of Radley. Um, Spencer is adopted, quote-unquote, by the Hastings and then is raised in a loving but, like, ultra-competitive and extremely fucked-up family dynamic where everyone is constantly lying to each other and doing murders. Uh, and... Alex Drake is like adopted out to like England, but then thrown on the mean streets of London to like fall in with, I guess, Dickensian pickpockets or something at a young age. Like, so nobody ever like is adopted and it goes well. Whereas in this case, like Sterling was, you know, taken in to the family and raised as Blair's twin and like loved and and is truly the Wesley's daughter in in every way. Yeah, and and one of my favorite um, unexpected joys of the series was the parents. I really started the show expecting them to be kind of like stock parent characters and just really kind of out of touch and um, or just kind of a bit a bit cruel or overly rigid. And I. I came around to just really loving the parents. I mean, I really sort of see them as, as two people who are largely doing their best. And one of my favorite scenes of the series is um, after, after um, Debbie, the the mother finds out that Sterling has been uh, having sex with her boyfriend, Luke, uh, they have this real heart to heart where Debbie is basically like, I don't, I don't really know what's right or wrong either. Cause Sterling is basically saying there's so many contradictions in the Bible. I don't I, like, I don't know how to square my desire and my joy in this act with like my faith. And Debbie basically says like, yeah, 
that's true. You know, like, and I, and I've been in that same boat as you have. And, uh, it's, it's great. It, it really humanizes that character. And, um, and there are moments with the dad that do that as well. I feel, and I, I just, that was a really unexpected joy of the series. I think I'm so used to like shows, like, I don't know, like, like sort of the Riverdale model of like, let's just make it as like gritty and terrible. And like, people are like secretly, you know, like, I I don't even watch Riverdale, but like secretly, like, like a child molester, like just something like outlandishly awful. Um, And I appreciate that this show lets the parents be flawed, but still good parents. Yeah. I, I think that this show operates in like, a slightly heightened version of reality with like a lot of the bounty hunting stuff that goes on, but it also feels more grounded than a Riverdale universe does or than a PLL universe does. Like the problems that they have to confront are still like, like it's, it's more like I would say like a heightened reality similar to Buffy where like Mm -hmm. there's this, there's this big thing going on in terms of slaying and or bounty hunting uh, that not everybody else knows about. Uh, but aside from that one element of your life, everything else is like just regular being a teenager and having to deal with the horrors of high school. Yeah, I uh, yeah, I definitely see that. I also see similarities to Veronica Mars and even a little bit to Pushing Daisies, um, which I mean, talk about heightened. But like in terms of I think that they're both shows that ultimately have a pretty positive outlook on humanity. Um, and and I, I appreciate that. Um, one thing that I wanted to talk about, like we've been talking about some of the similarities between PLL and Teenage Bounty Hunters, but I wanted to talk more specifically about like characters that you really feel that kind of that connection with between the two shows. Oh, that's so interesting. Um, I like your idea of Blair as the Spana baby because there is a lot of Spencer in her. Uh, and there's also a lot of Hannah. Like uh, there's a, a part where there's an episode where several people refer to Blair as being like a dog with a bone in terms of a mystery that she's investigating that a lot of people have told her to like, let it be. Uh, And she really keeps after it, which is very Spencer. But there's also, uh, there's also an episode where she's very excited about the prospect of kicking in doors. And so she's just going around kicking in door after door after door. And that to me feels very Hannah. Like, kicking in yeah. doors would be something that Hannah herself would really, really love to do. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I completely agree. Um, I feel like April, who we have not really talked about yet, but I'm sure we'll talk a lot more about, um, has a lot of, I would say, a lot of Mona, Allison, and Paige to her. Um, I'm, April is this very... I mean, she's a repressed character, but she's a she's a she's interesting. She's not quite a Paige McCullers in terms of her relationship with her own sexuality because she is like very clear that she is gay and that she doesn't really um she she doesn't wish to not be gay exactly. She just is very clear that like she cannot be out right now. Like that is just not a choice for her at this point in her life. Um, and so there's a real sense that she was kind of like, okay, I'm just going to like put this on a shelf in my mind or put this, you know, in a part of my mind and not deal with it and not deal with it until I get to a point where I can. And then Sterling like ruined all of her plans 
you know, which feels <laughs> very Allison, feels very Paige, and also feels really very Mona to me. Um, I think that there is a lot. I, I like that analogy. I feel like there is a lot of Paige in her because in this world of like somewhat heightened reality, a lot of what April is going through, she's not a bounty hunter. It's just regular like teenage stuff. So like in that way, she is a more real teenager in the way that Paige gets to be a more real teenager than some of the other liar characters. And also like they both share fathers who are like not going to be cool with the gay stuff. Uh, And that's, you know, that's something that, really defines like their journey and and their self-acceptance. So there is a little bit of page. I feel like there's a lot of Mona in terms of uh, some of her, like the, the over the top artifice uh, that she is displaying at the beginning of the seasons and some of her, like the way that she tries to be like more conniving than she maybe is uh, equipped to be at, at different points. So there's definitely there's definitely an element of Mona and of Allison in the sense that so much of April in the early episodes is really about only, only seeing what she wants you to see. Like it's so much about presentation and it's so much dazzle camouflage in terms of like, look at me, look at me. I'm showing you my mask so hard. Is your feeling, and I guess I should preface this by saying that this is my feeling um, that that April has been sort of pining for Sterling basically since they were 10 years old. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I completely agree with that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's definitely the vibe I, I got, um, especially in the scene where she talks about like her, her crushes. And that's another thing that like, we never get, you never get a queer character talking about being in second grade and like, having a really intense female friendship and like realizing like, Oh, this, like, this is a, this is a specific experience that I am having. (laughs) But that's like such a real experience too, you know? (laughs) Well, one of the things that I really loved about this particular queer storyline was that it, on so many shows, there's like, there's like the character who is out and proud who winds up like bringing this other character out because of their overwhelming feelings for them. Uh, And I really liked that in, in this particular storyline, it kind of hits Sterling like a bolt of lightning that she has all this chemistry with April, that she really wants to like be with April in a different way than she had previously foreseen. And we see Sterling have that realization just kind of hit her out of the blue and we don't know what April's situation is at that point. We don't know if April is queer. We mm-hmm. don't know if April is going to be into this, if April's going to be repulsed by this. Like, you have no idea. Uh, and I think that that is so interesting because I feel like that is actually, like, something that happens much more frequently uh, than this trope of, like, the one person who is, like, the known gay who then, like, is, like, the agent of gayness for everyone uh, in Rosewood. <laughs> <laughs> Emily Fields. Um, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or Maya. Yeah, I no, I completely I completely agree. Um, I, and I love that. I love that. Um, Sterling is like, she's like, I'm just gonna like, tell you, like, talk to talk to you about Naomi and Ruth a little bit and like, see, see what happens. <laughs> yeah, it's very, 
it's it's very charming. Uh, I really, I really love the way that it is set up, uh, and I love, I, I love that it winds up being reciprocated. Yes, yeah, and then it, yeah, it feels very. Um, it feels, it feels like it was written with a lot of care. Like it doesn't at all have that feeling that I feel like sometimes queer relationships have where it's like, well, we want to like throw a bone to the gaze. And so it's sort of like a little bit of like lazy writing or a little bit of like just sort of shoehorned in writing. And this feels very deliberate in the, in the construction of both of these characters. Well, yeah. Or that, or that like the idea that like, well, for parody's sake, we need to treat this like we need to write this just like a straight relationship, only it's with a girl. Uh, and I feel like this is really different. Like this is a, a queer relationship that obviously had some queer writers who were like doing the work behind the scenes on it because it feels like a, a genuine, uh, a genuine like organic queer storyline. And they get to have like, like be like queer and sexual together you know like I love yes. that Pearl has the line you know that she like that when she says like she wants to ravage Sterling and it's like that is so like that I cannot even imagine Emerson getting a line like that like that is so far from you know any of the you know the ankle brushes and the millions of pillows like it's 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 um it's so refreshing to like let let queer characters be sexual with each other yeah i'm i'm gonna say that they had more screen time of being like physically like making out and Mm -hmm. and getting heated and kissing each other i i think that april and sterling probably have more screen time of them kissing in like what five episodes four episodes of them making out than than Emily and Allison ever had through the whole run of PLL. And maybe even more than Emerson and Paley ever had through the run of PLL. And you know what? It's like two episodes because they kiss at the end. <laughs> they kiss at the end of the seventh episode. Then like epi- maybe it's one episode. I mean they it's no, like they, they make out they make out in uh in Ellen's like office at the end of that one That's episode. The end of the seventh episode, yeah. And then they make out. Uh, they make out at the laser tag place. Yeah. And then they make out. They have that real hot and heavy make out in the car. In that same episode, in the eighth episode, right? Right. Yeah. And yeah, but needless to say, like it's just it's more. It's more than. Uh, <laughs> Than seasons worth of PLL, <laughs> but I feel like we got—I mean, not off track because this is important, important dissection for us to talk about. But um, who do you feel like? Who? Which? Which characters do you feel in in Sterling? Kind of in the world of PLL. Oh, that's that's very interesting. I think that she has some of like. She has, like, the moral compass that Emily Fields has uh, in terms of, like, she always knows what the right thing to do is, whether or not she acts on it. So she has, like, Emily's moral compass, and she has a little bit of Arya's kind of fairy tale believing 
uh, naivete, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think I said this to you at one point, but like, I feel like there are elements, there are moments in the show that remind me of that. So Aria it just in terms of um, both the naivete, but also like that Sterling is like in this queer rom-com where, while like Blair is like knocking down doors and like trying to solve the family mystery, but I'm so much happier when it's Sterling in April, when it's <laughs> Frederick and Aria. Can't imagine why. Yeah, yeah, that is uh, that is very accurate. Well, and one of the things that I, I find so compelling about the Sterling-April relationship, especially um, towards the end of the series, is like, um, season, not series. We're, we're holding out for season two. Um, but that the conflict that's set up between them is so real. Like, and it's, it's, it is like it's a situation where the 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 protagonist character is actually being kind of unreasonable but can't really see that you know it, sterling after like 2 days of making out with april or something is like we need to come out like i want us to come out i want us to be out and it's she is so it's like her she's she's so clouded with the hard eyes and the love or you know the the attraction and the enjoyment um of it all that she's not really looking at the big picture which you get the sense that april has been sort of doing the math on for years yes well and also a thing a thing that i really like about this show that's it's like related to it so this is gonna like circle back around but um characters on this show and in this world luke sterling's uh first boyfriend and also april uh they both clearly articulate that their home lives are not great like i think i think luke at one point even he says to to blair when they're talking in spanish class that like his home life is not good. Like we we've seen his parents a few times. They obviously hate each other. Mm -hmm. Uh, His, his father wants him to be just like him and his grandfather and, and be a golfer as opposed to like, he, he sort of has this budding musician thing uh, going that, that he's doing. Um, And I like that the characters get to actually say like, there are things about my home life that are bad because we've seen characters on PLL and on other shows consistently have really grim home lives that they just kind of, they just kind of normalize. Uh, And I I really like the way that this show allows characters to articulate, like my parents are rabid homophobes and bigots. And for that reason, I can't come out right now. Like this is not something that I can do that that's realistically within my power. Um, and so I, I think that that's I really, I think that that's really uh, exciting when we get to see characters saying that. Cause it like, like when Hannah tells Emily, like, you know, when Emily comes out and Hannah says like, you know, we love Emily, no one cares who you're with. And that changes the world. Like, I feel like it also changes the world to like, say it's okay. It's okay for you to like, say to people that you trust my home life is bad my home life is not what it should be and to be able to talk about that instead of keeping it as a deep dark secret yeah oh i think that's i think that's totally true and i i like that the relationship that april has with her dad 
is complicated. Like we don't get a whole lot of it, but we get enough of it to know that it is complex and it is on her mind a lot. She brings it up a lot that, you know, she had this idea of what their family was and sort of who he was as her father. And it was all, you know, there were so many lies and also that he was, you know, that, that, like you really you really get the feeling that like she's kind of reevaluating a lot of stuff um about about her her upbringing um but that there's also this at the same time there's this sense of like duty as well and that that it's all very complicated for her i hope that if we get a season 2 i would really love to find out more about april's mother because we don't really know anything about her um other than that April referred to both of her parents as hateful bigots. So I'm assuming her mom's not like waving a pride flag, but uh, (laughs) I'd love to know more about that, her parents' relationship. Her mom seems to me like we don't really get very much of her mom at all, but like seems to be maybe a stand by your man type. Uh, Cause there's mention that she's like mortgaging their lake house for the dad's legal fees and stuff. So it it's, that's, that's the impression, the general impression that I got about that character. I see her as like JD McCoy's mom on Friday night lights kind mm. of, you know, um, like kind of everything's fine. Everything's fine. But like really not, um, not. Yeah, definitely kind of a, a standby, standby your man kind of, towing the towing the line kind of situation yeah one of one of the things that we had talked about is like the the confidence that the show has in a lot of their storytelling decisions yeah it's great confidence we talked about the willingness of this show to allow characters to break up uh Mm -hmm. because the opening scene of the show introduces each of the twins and they're, they're man friends who they're with at that moment. Like, it opens yeah. on both of them in, a, you know, sexual, uh, engaged in some pretty sexual activities with their male partners. And both of those partners wind up not being the people that they stay with. And the realizations, like, that they go through uh, where they wind up each independently discovering they don't have enough in common with their partners or that they're not able to get the emotional support uh, and partnership that they need, et cetera. Uh, I think that those are some great journeys that they go on. And the fact that the show lets them do that demonstrates that this show is confident that what you care about are the characters, not mm-hmm. their romantic relationships, which I think is really tremendous. I completely agree. And I think that what is, um, what's really cool about those breakups is that they allow growth for both Sterling and Blair like one of the things that I I I actually really I like Luke as a character like Luke Sterling's ex-boyfriend is like he seems like a a pretty nice guy and 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 for the most part of I mean he's he he hangs on to things a little bit (laughs) he like really has he he doesn't take the breakup well but like he is definitely not like a Ben you know, uh, from PLL. Um, but there's this real sense that like Sterling feels like they've like, it's just, it's, it's like so many relationships on PLL. Like they're just together because of momentum. They're not together because of, um, because like they're 
and bettering each other. Um, and one of the things that I really, I actually really was surprised by how much I liked the moment in the finale when Sterling kisses Luke and says, you know, things with you were so easy. And God, if that isn't just like so much like any time, you know, Spencer and Toby would kiss or something after a breakup or Hannah and Caleb would where it's like, this is, um, you've known me for so much of my life and it, it makes sense for us to be together in a lot of ways. And so like, let's just kind of keep this going. Um, it, it's in such interesting contrast to uh, Sterling's relationship with April that is sort of challenging and, and interesting and invigorating. Um, and also I would say Hannah's relationship with Mona. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I would, I would hundred percent co-sign that. Yeah. Um, and what did, what did you make of, um, the Blair and Miles coupling? Oh, well, I really, so Blair goes through two breakups. She breaks up with, uh, the kind of unimportant guy that she is originally, originally involved with. Jenning. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, she, she breaks up with him, uh, after they, basically what happens is like, they're, they're getting like kind of hot and heavy and she thinks that she might want to have sex with him. And then uh, when it's not happening quickly enough, she feels like what they need is to get to know each other better, to have intimacy, uh, and then be in love, and then they can have sex. And, like, after basically doing essentially a newspaper or magazine quiz about getting to know your partner, like, through the course of 35 questions, they end up discovering that they are wildly incompatible and that there are things about him... Uh, that she really doesn't like at all. There are things about her that he doesn't like at all. They, they break it off. Uh, so she has that breakup. Then she starts dating Miles. And then at the end of the season, uh, she and Miles wind up having a, what I thought was going to be a temporary breakup and then seems to be a more final breakup uh, after the scene where she goes to his house. Um, and I think that, that I think that that's great because I think in both of those situations we get to see a character who thought she knew what she wanted learn that that's actually not it. Like that's actually not what's going to make her happy. Yeah. I, I and we, we see, we see Sterling realize that too with Luke. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think that um, what's really interesting about the, the more permanent seeming breakup with miles is that, um, you know, what he what he does, what so what what sort of what happens is that they initially break up because she um, is doing this kind of wacky like like a I don't know like a threes company gag or something where she's like running from running from the the bounty hunting job that she's on to their date and back and forth and back and forth and he's basically like I don't do drama, we're done. She realizes after the fact that she is in love with him. She goes to his house, professes his love. It's a real rom-com moment. And he, it, it becomes clear that he has not told his family about her. Um, and that, like, on paper, like, oh, what an awful thing that he has not told his family about her. But then when he kind of explains it, I, I kind of understand. He's like, your, your family is white Republicans. My family are, my, you know, mother is, is, a, is a black Democratic candidate. Like, this is a complicated situation. And it a little bit, um, in a different way, reminds me of the April situation where it's like, 
this is a this is bigger than just we're two people who are really into each other. Like there are some other factors at play here, and we, um, like I need to kind of look out for look out for myself here. So it's I like that it's not just oh Miles, like what a bastard, like he, you know, like it's it's you can see both sides of it. Well, here's here's what I take away from the more final seeming breakup with Miles. Um, he like he's right to break up with her when she cannot like stay on their date for five minutes. And instead of being honest with him, keeps like coming up with more and more elaborate uh, excuses for, for where she's been and what she's been doing. Um, He's right to break up with her then, but it's clear. um, It's, it's clear when she goes to his house that he was looking for a reason. Like he was not as serious about that relationship as he had presented to her either. Yes. Yeah. And I love the speech that she, that she gives him about it. And I also really love like the first time I watched the series three, because I did watch it three twice. um, I was kind of annoyed by that episode where she's like running back and forth because it just, um, seemed so sort of um like like three's company-ish or just like some you know such a gag out of like a sitcom but then I I really appreciated it on rewatch because later um in the in the next episode I think it is um they Sterling and Blair have that great fight and Sterling is basically like you brought this on yourself you like you look for drama you create situations of like drama and chaos um and you you like you made this harder on yourself than you had to and like what a gratifying moment I feel like for so many moments in tv shows when characters are like behaving in a ridiculous way just for the sake of the plot to have somebody actually call that out and be like you're being a drama queen and for it to actually track with the character um I just I thought it was really really smart writing well I love that too because there are so many moments that are set up on tv Uh, especially like in the world of PLL, for example, where it's set up like this character had no choice but to do this. Like because character A took this action, character B had no choice but to like do X, Y, Z. And in in this episode, like after I watched it, I was like, oh my gosh, like Blair completely blames Sterling uh, because Sterling was supposed to like come and assist with the bounty hunting part of that episode so that Blair could like go and be on her date. Like, so Blair is like so furious and blames Sterling for like not showing up. Uh, but Blair had plenty of other choices. Blair could have canceled the date. Blair could have like told their bounty hunting boss that she was only available until like 4 PM. Uh, Blair could have like, just owned up to Miles about what was what was going on and what else was like taking her attention. Like Blair had so many choices that she just didn't make. And I, yeah. like there are so many times that you see that on a TV show and it's just like, oh, how frustrating. But I love that this show called it out in the next episode yeah. when Sterling was like, Blair, you could have done these three other things that might have salvaged the situation. You just chose not to. Yeah, it's, I mean, we just watched the PLL episode the, the where, the hoedown episode, and I feel like this is like, like the talking to that Sterling gives Blair is what Paige needed to say to Emily in that episode. Like, why were you being so weird and evasive and making this all so much more complicated than you had to 
like why can't you just communicate clearly with me you know um, yeah 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 I totally agree um one character that you alluded to but we haven't really talked about much is Bowser who is the bounty hunting boss and a, just a wonderful character and really um I wish that that the liars on PLL had a, had a Bowser yeah um Bowser is the kind of character that you might expect to see on a show where parents didn't exist like uh I feel like I feel like he's sort of like like on on the original 90210 like after they're kind of after they're kind of older and the parents like fade into the background they have like Nat who owns the peach pit who's like the surrogate parent for all of them like that's kind of what Bowser is. He's like this surrogate parent, except that the parents do exist and are present. He just winds up being this like other, like somewhat opposing but very positive force in Blair and Sterling's lives. Well, he's the Giles. Yes. Oh, that's a great analogy. He's the Giles. Because he knows about all of the bounty hunting stuff. And so he's like in on that part of their world. But he's also like he's he's he also kind of reminds me of the dad on veronica mars a little Mm -hmm. bit like Mm -hmm. he's very he's protective of them but in a way that never feels like patronizing or paternalistic like he's he is loving in a way that never feels like creepy or presery in any way like he's just one of the things that i appreciate about him is like he's he's kind of this gruff guy or at least presents to be at first but he's immediately charmed by them. Like he says after their first meeting, he's like, I like you girls. Like you can just tell that he, he just likes them. Like he's like, he just likes their energy. And we, he also gets to have his own complicated life, which I really appreciate. Yeah. I, I really like that. And I like the way that Sterling and Blair are agents of change in his world. Like their youth and their exuberance, their hopefulness, their confidence, and their like unshakable faith in the fact that things can change, that you can change things if you want to, uh, is something that you can kind of tell, like he's been stuck in a rut for a really long time. And Mm -hmm. it's really through exposure to them uh, that you you see him having growth and breaking some of his old patterns. Yeah, and it's in a way that feels it feels very natural, and it feels like there's a real give and take. Like I love um, the moments when he gets to kind of counsel. Um, I feel like we need a na- I guess the twins is what we call them. Like we need like a liars esque name for them, but I guess the twins <laughs> will do it. The moments when he gets to counsel the twins, but like is also kind of. Um, it's 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 advice that he needs to hear as well like i really appreciated when um in the episode where um it's the episode with the substitute teacher i believe where blair is um she keeps feeling like she's seeing the substitute teacher everywhere and she's really freaked out about this idea of like heaven or hell and this really like these binary ideals that she's always been raised with and he's kind of like what if there is no heaven or hell you know, um, I also really love the the conversation where, like, where Sterling is kind of like, it, when at, at the time when she's realized that she has feelings for April and she's kind of trying to, like, subtly interrogate Bowser about, you know, 
what what does it mean when a friend becomes something more? Um, but at the same time, they also offer him relationship counsel with Yolanda, who's another character that I also love um, because she is not just like the stock, like she she's she's the bail bonds woman who has this complicated past with Bowser, but she's also her own character and her own woman. And she is not just this like archetype of, of this character, you know? Yeah. I think it's a, it's a very, uh, it's a very good show when even the straight relationships are pretty well written. It's true. It's, it's totally true. It's totally true. Um, And one of the things that I appreciate too, is like that the show ends on an emotional cliffhanger, not just a, you know, life and death one. Yeah. I, like you were saying about the show's confidence. I think that that, I think that that speaks volumes that like you care about the familial relationship. They've done the work. Like you care enough about what this is going to do to like the Wesley family unit, uh, that the, that the bomb has been dropped. The reveal has been made, uh, that Sterling is actually not Blair's, you know, biological sister. Yeah, and that presumably the next season will, like, there will be, yeah, just some real emotional fallout around that. Well, and especially because the relationships, like, the girls actually have really different relationships with their parents. uh, And Sterling seems like, overall, she has a lot less conflict with their mom than Blair does. Yes, yeah, and I think is I think Blair even name checks her as like the favorite daughter at one point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's it, it's very it's very interesting, you know. It, and it makes me think about like, um, like the Melissa uh, Spencer dynamic a little bit in the Hastings home. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, I, yeah, I can't wait to see what the set like. This is one of those shows where. It's upsetting. The first season is so good. I wish there were a second season that I could watch immediately upon finishing it. Like, I just want to know where the story is going to go next. Yeah. Do you have any, like, predictions or hopes for a theoretical season two? Oh, I don't know. I I tried. I, I told you about the show when I was, like, we were watching maybe the second episode. Uh, and I, I texted you about it. And then you wound up finishing the show before I did. Like, you you burned through it. Uh, more quickly and I was like we were like oh we like this so much we should like (laughs) we should you know watch one episode a day or something Uh, but I there were a lot of times when I tried to guess what was going to happen like there's the episode when uh, it's it's sort of a cliffhanger in the penultimate episode April's dad is suddenly back Uh, and and that's how like that episode sort of ends with the reveal that her dad has returned and I felt like, oh, no, I thought that what was going to happen was like either her dad was going to reveal that Blair and Sterling are bounty hunters. And so there was going to be like fallout from that or her dad was going to like flee and take April and her mom with him. Or he was like going to join the witness protection program and like they would never see April again and it would be so devastating. So I thought like like all of those things were things that I expected to happen next based on every other TV show I've ever seen. But then this show just let it ride. Like it just let yeah. it ride. Like 
her dad is back because her dad is back. She thinks that she cannot be in a relationship with Sterling anymore because what if he finds out it would be, uh, it would all be too much. Um, and yeah, they just, so like there are times when I've tried to guess like, where is it going to go? And I've never been right. Like the writing has been surprising every step of the way. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's exciting. It's really exciting to have a show and, and to have a show that does that in a way that feels organic and interesting, not like shocking for shock value. You know, it's not like a PLL thing of like, Oh, like a is just whoever's name, you know, we hit with the dartboard and whoever is like the most random choice. Like it feels like it's intentional, but still surprising, which is a really, um, it's, and it's, it's an exciting combination and it's, it's, again, it speaks to the confidence that we have been talking about. Um, yeah, I don't know that I have any particular predictions for season two. I mean, I, I, I have like things that I hope for, you know, I hope that, I hope that Blair and Sterling will get into therapy I hope that uh, I hope that April will. I would really like Sterling to get to a place where she can acknowledge that she might have pushed April a little too hard because it seems like right now she's so caught up in her feelings of feeling rejected by April that she's not really seeing like the ways in which she's not really having a lot of empathy for April's situation. You know, it's it's very black and white for her right now. But it's totally in character because look at how she behaved with Luke, like when they were deciding that they were going to have sex, like Sterling is used to being the smartest person in the relationship. And so she was able to like steer Luke in terms of their decisions that they were making as a couple generally wound up being whatever decision Sterling made and then managed him into. But like April, like the thing that April says about Luke at one point or is quoted as saying about Luke is like, God doesn't love you any less for having a second rate brain. Like that is like, that is Luke, but that's not April. April is like someone who like knows her own mind and who isn't going to be managed into anything by Sterling, who isn't going to be pressured into anything. Um, And I think that that like, like outside of like who you want to be in a relationship with being the type of person who takes your partner's like, stated concerns seriously when you're in a relationship with them is like a very important life lesson for Sterling to have to learn and, and, and internalize. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I'm looking forward to seeing how her experience of, you know, being kidnapped and all of that, like how that, how that might impact her and how that might sort of reframe certain, certain things for her. I mean, I could see her coming back and being, a, a lot less sunny than at least at first than she's been in this first season. You know what I love? I love as a character moment, like Sterling has been kidnapped. She's in like, she's in like a pretty dire seeming situation. Uh, and because she is like a character who is a religious character, like there's a moment when she's just like praying and, and she's like, you know, she's certainly praying for rescue and everything. But then there's the moment when she says, like, and maybe when this is all over and when I'm safe and, like, God, when you have, like, a free second. And, like, every other TV show you've ever seen is expecting that she's going to be praying that God will make April change her mind. 
But that's not what she's praying about. She's praying that, like, God will make her presumed aunt, who is, like, in the middle of kidnapping her, that, like, he'll give her some peace and, like, make her happy because it seems like, it seems like she's been through some rough times. And it's, like, in that way, like, Sterling, Sterling has, like, the big heartedness of, of Hannah in that moment. Yeah. I loved that moment too. And I completely also was expecting it to be something related to like to April or to Luke or something, you know, something related to, to her current struggle. Um, but to have it be her extending, um, her extending that, that kindness to her, to her aunt slash mom. First of all, also the actress who plays the mom and the aunt so good. Like those are two completely different characters. And um, it is, I mean, no shade to Troyan, but like it is not an Alice Drake situation. Like they feel like they feel like genuine different people. It's even hard to kind of believe that it's the same actress. Um, I was really, I was really impressed. Um, and and also, I mean, a lot of that is like directorial and costuming choices and all of that too. So I just thought they did a great job with that. Um, but yeah, I completely agree. And you know, I think in general the show does such a great job of. Um, lightly poking fun at the religion aspects while also really being respectful of uh, particularly Sterling's relationship to her faith and, and letting that be something, um, something that's important and letting her acknowledge it many times throughout the season. Like, um, you know, I'm good with God or God's good with me. Like I'm, I'm, I like this, my choices have not like impacted my relationship with God, which I really appreciated. Um, you pointing that out made me made me wonder, like, are there any particular like specific favorite moments of over the season that you wanted to call out? Um, well, I guess talking about specifically about religion, uh, like those are sort of top of mind. Uh, and I really enjoy what the show does. Like I've often said, like, we don't have to want everything that a character wants. We don't have to believe everything that a character believes. We just as the audience have to understand where they're coming from and why they want it. And I feel sure. that way about this show and the way it treats religion. Like you don't have to be like a godly person to, to be into the show. You just like, you understand as you watch it, like what environment these girls were raised in, where they're coming from, how they're approaching these things. Uh, and I just, I love the way, uh, I love the way that like Sterling is always looking for how God is moving through her life and, and what is happening. I, I love the way that there's, there's this whole, there's the whole drama about uh, Sterling has been having premarital sex with her boyfriend, Luke, and April has found out and is threatening to, uh, this is before they're together, of course, when they're just rivals and nemeses. And she is threatening to uh, out them for this premarital uh, intercourse to like the whole school and depose Sterling as, as faith leader, et cetera, et cetera. And Sterling decides that what she actually needs to do is just own up, like own up. She did the sin. She's going to just admit it to everyone. And uh, she admits it to everyone and no one really believes it. Like people think it's a joke. Uh, the worm kind of turns, and when April is, like, brandishing this condom wrapper around, people start to suspect that it might even be April. And there's, like, there's this whole idea, like, Sterling really believes in, like, the god of, like, 
his eye is on the sparrow. Like she believes in the God that is everywhere and that is watching and that will intercede for things big or small. And it would be so easy to be like, well, this is the will of God. She did it. She tried to confess. And now it looks like this is going to turn on April. But like Sterling has the moral compass and she's like not going to let that happen. And so she makes like, she, she always makes the choice that she feels is morally right in any situation. Uh, and she like, she like kind of whistles it in and says, no, it is mine. I did do this. You guys like, this is on me and I'm taking the responsibility for it. I love that because it's like, it would be so easy to say this is God's will. But in fact, like the idea is like, that's the temptation of the devil is to say like, this is, this is how God wants it to be. Uh, and I think that that's so great. And then I also love, like, in the idea of divine intervention, I love that right as Sterling is, like, kind of coming to terms with her feelings for April, that it just so happens that the skip that they're tracing is involved in, like, they busted on him in a motel where he happens to be engaged in a threesome with his wife and another lady. And so, like, that just happens to throw, like, a queer adult, a queer female adult in Sterling's path uh, on, on this random night that she can talk to about all of this. And I, I just, I love the way the show like behaves in those particular moments. Yeah, I, I completely, I completely agree. I think those are some great, some great call outs. Um, adding to that, the, that first one that you mentioned about um, when a, when Sterling owns up to the fact that it is in fact her condom and really, like, doubles down on on the truth. Um, I love that, and I, I love that the resolution of that, because the whole thing is that April wants to be fellowship leader. And so she is basically, she's saying to Sterling, you know, you, which is, it's such a Paris Rory thing, right? She's like, you, you know, admit to this, or, um, you know, g- like, give up give up being fellowship leader, or, like, I'm, I'm outing you, basically. Um, and I love that, Sterling does give up being fellowship leader. Like, it's not like there's some last minute save in the episode where it's like, no, you were like, you were the most honest and you, so you have been like, you have bested April. Like you get to keep this, like she gives it up. And I, I love the end of that episode when she goes to Ellen, um, their, their teacher who just such a great character. Ellen is like just a ray of sunshine and so supportive. And I think also might, ship Sterling and April because she sure likes to put them together on a lot of projects. Um, but she goes to Ellen and she, she says that she wants to step down and Ellen accepts that, um, by praising Sterling for, um, understanding her wants and desires. And Sterling kind of repeats that back, her desires and her eyes are filling with tears and that Casey Musgraves rainbow song starts playing. And it's just this beautiful moment because it's like, she's she's receiving praise from this person that she respects um but there's also this real sense that it's like she's feeling like her desires were what landed her in this moment and it's just i love how i love how complicated it is and how just sad it is and um man the actress who plays sterling is such a good crier like she just she's <laughs> like she gets like the like stuffy nose and everything like it's just it's really really good um, I love that moment. 
I talked about it earlier the end of episode six with the with the the arm grab and the music swelling and all of that like just a a perfect moment like just fantastic what a reveal um, also the end of episode seven where um, April locks the door like another just. <sighs> cheerworthy moment you know april is talking about why can't everybody be honest sterling this whole episode has just been like bursting with how much she like wants to wants to like express to april her her newfound feelings and sterling kisses her immediately pulls back april pulls back sterling is just so full of apologies it's just heartbreaking you know she's expecting april to walk out or to yell at her or slap her or something and what does April do? She goes over, she locks the door, and she marches right back, and they keep kissing, and it's just it's just a perfect moment. Um, and then that fight scene between Sterling and Blair in the ninth episode, I just think yes. glorious because it's 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 exactly the kind of fight that these two sisters would have. And I love that, you know, Sterling has been wanting to talk to Blair about this situation with April and and it is so right, it's so appropriate that Blair is the first person to know, but it comes out in the worst way. As, as Sterling later says, she says it to Blair like she's spitting acid in her face. And, but the way that she, because, Sterling, because Blair is saying, you know, you're boring, all of your, like, I can, I can predict every life choice you're ever going to make. You're going to turn out exactly like mom. And Sterling's like, how's this for boring? I've been hooking up with April. And she just, you know, shoots it, shoots it at Blair. And it's, it's. It's great. It's just such such a great moment. Um, and then I love that later Blair is like, you know, you could you could bang a ficus for all I care. Like I <laughs> I love you no matter what. I also oh one hope I hope that Sterling gets to say the word bisexual in season oh, two. Oh, that's a great. We've, that's a great hope. We've had enough of like bi characters not getting to like call themselves bi. Alison Dillarentes. Um. So I. <laughs> I just, I really hope that, um, because she described the bi flag when she described the, like, the color wheel of her sexuality, she, like, described the colors of the bi flag. She fully owned that identity. <laughs> yeah, I, I would love that, too. I would also love, uh, I mean, I hope that ultimately Sterling and April get back together, but I would love to see Sterling date a girl who isn't April. Like, I would love to see how their relationship like her relationship to her sexuality not be dependent on this one particular person. Yes, I totally agree. I mean, yes, the whole, as we have talked about on PLL, you know, Allison being so Emily sexual, um, it would be really, really great. Um, yeah. To have her, you know, interested in another, another girl at school or start dating another girl or something. Um, yeah, I could I could see that being really really fun. When you talked about uh, when we were talking about the the whole situation with like April is blackmailing Sterling about this condom and she's going to expose the fact that they had sex. I those were the episodes that I was rewatching today, uh, the beginning episodes, and I really like knowing what comes later. I really was so into that storyline because it's it's fascinating. Like. Number one, April is, it's like the Paige and Mona situation where Paige says, when did you turn into the thing you feared the most? Um, The behavior that April fears, like the shunning 
and the like ostracation uh, from like the fellowship and from her peer group, like that she fears would fall on her if she came out is like the behavior that she is embodying to Sterling about Sterling uh, having had sex with Luke. And also I feel like it's so interesting. Like if you watch those episodes with the idea in your head that April has maybe been in love with Sterling since she was 10 years old, the sin of Sterling and Luke having sex, like it's like the ultimate sin because having sex with a dude is a sin that April has never once been tempted by. But the idea of someone having sex with Sterling is one that she is like both compelled and like revolted by within herself. So it's like, there's just so much going on. um, Like when, when she kind of goes on her, her crusade uh, against what they've been up to. Well, yeah, it reminds me a lot of the the Emerson mushy squash flashback where Emma, where Allison is like, you need to break up with Ben. Like you, you really need to break up with Ben. I mean, it's definitely a different version of that. But this idea that like, you know, I'm going to I'm going to drive a wedge into this relationship because I am so in love with one half of this of this relationship. But like, I cannot be uh, be honest about that. And so like, this is this is my weird way of doing that. Well, also, like, you know, I had a hearty laugh rewatching knowing what was going to happen in the episode um, with the funeral for the teacher, the memorial service for the teacher, where April is, like, so insistent about joining Luke and Sterling and, like, not letting them have their alone time. <laughs> like, wow, April, you sure seem uh, you sure seem determined to uh, wedge your way in there. Yeah, yeah. And also, like, that's the episode where Sterling realizes that Luke is actually not a good partner. Like, yeah. Luke is not what she wants. So that's an interesting, that's an interesting parallel, too. Yeah, it, it, it totally is. God, it's like, it's so many things. It's like, you know, we talked about, like, the Buffy Faith thing. We talked about, like, Paris and Rory. But it's also, like, if Vandermeeren had been allowed to happen, too. You know, there's an mm-hmm. element of that as well. Like, if, if... You know, in so many of the episodes of PLL that we've talked about, we've been like, man, like, how amazing would it have been if, like, Hannah and Caleb had broken up at this point and, like, Mona and Hannah had started dating? And it's like, there's so many points in the show when you can say that, but, like, ultimately, it just never happened. And in this show, it happens. Imagine if Hannah and Caleb had taken a 35-question quiz about what they wanted out of their lives, (laughs) and then Caleb was, like, expressing his, like, revulsion and disdain for Hannah's, like, career choice in all of her interests <laughs> yes yes that would have been so great um do you head canon blair as queer well the great thing about this show i mean i actually thought that blair was going to be the queer twin like when yeah. when it started um that was kind of the vibe that i felt like i was getting i mean she likes to kick down doors uh she dresses a little bit more soft butch uh in terms of her style uh, she has, like, combat boots and stuff. Like, I I thought that Blair was probably going to be queer. But the thing that I love about the show is that, like, we don't know for sure that she's not. You know? Like, yeah. she, she very well could be. Uh, I like the way that, like, all of this, like, queerness and secrets and all of these things. Like, now the fact that they um, are not, like, sisters by blood. Uh, all of this is really, like 
putting a different spin on the boundaries and the lack of boundaries that these two women have had with each other. Like they have been defining themselves in, in relation to each other for so long uh, that I think this is just a fascinating story to tell in terms of like, who, who are they if one of them is into women or ficuses and one of them is into dudes? Like, but who's to say Blair's not also into ficuses or girls? We don't, we don't know. Uh, I definitely do still get some big queer energy vibes, uh, Spencer Hastings vibes from her. Yeah, I I do. I do as well. She really buttons all of those collars up very high. She um, wears a tie at one she point. She wears a tie. She just, yeah, there's, there's, um, there is, well, do you, um, do you ever watch that show once and again? Yes. Yes, I have. It kind of reminds me of, um, isn't there a thing with the mom where she thinks that the one daughter is gay? But it's the other daughter. Yeah, the other daughter. I could see, I could definitely see something like that happening with, uh. Oh, yeah, it's Evan Rachel Wood. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, my, my favorite behind the scenes story about that is like Evan Rachel Wood years after she'd come out on a podcast being like, oh yeah, I totally had a crush on Misha Barton. That's my favorite story about that show too. <laughs> I just love that so much. Um, uh, I think was that on Cameron Esposito's podcast? It might. I, it, I mean, I feel like it must have been because we both heard it. Yes. 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 God, I was like, that is that is wonderful news. Um, <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, it's it it is there are so many possibilities. It is just rich with rich with possibilities in terms of where the show could go next. I I will say uh when I was kind of like on the alert for which twin was going to be gay, the moment that I felt it start to tip towards Sterling was the episode where uh they're trying to catch that skip who always uh who always eludes uh, their boss and it's at a strip club. I felt like Sterling had like a wide eyed wonder while at the strip club. And, and, and Blair was just kind of more like Blair, Blair's queerness is more of a Hannah queerness. I feel like Blair's queerness yeah. is the like, whatever happens, happens type of queerness. Whereas like uh, Sterling's queerness is like, the all-consuming queerness uh, that is, like, uh, that envelops, like, Paige McCullers whenever Emily walks by. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Poor Paige. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> poor sweet gay Paige. Um, yeah, I, I I agree. I agree. It is this sort of, like, <gasps> um, moment. I love, I love the... In I know I've now talked about it like three times, but in the in the in the masturbation scene when Sterling like has that moment af- after where she's kind of like, huh? Like you can see that her brain is like slightly short circuiting, where she's like, that was an unexpected turn of events. <laughs> um, it's just it's just so so good. And and what I love about that moment too is that there's a real sense that April might have felt a little flash of something. But we don't really, we don't really know. Another wish for season two, I would like Sterling to, like, it to come out somehow to April that Sterling had her first orgasm after April yelled at her. (laughs) Because I feel like April's reaction to that would be really priceless. 
Yeah, I agree. Well, you know, I feel like, uh, and, and we've talked before about like the the way that queer sexuality was portrayed on PLL uh, and how it basically devolved into like ankle brushing and like creative camera work with like some candles or whatever. Yeah. Um, but I I feel like you could like watch all of PLL and like they talk sometimes about like people who've ha- like when Hannah and Caleb have sex or like, you know, that it's happened, like the other liars are aware of it, but nobody ever talks about orgasms. Like nobody ever talks yeah. about what they like in bed or what they don't like or, or any of that. And I like that. Um, I like that. That's an ongoing conversation that Sterling and Blair have with one another and with anyone who's near them, honestly. <laughs> Well, I also feel like, I think we've talked about this before, too. I feel like you could conceivably watch PLL and say that, like, Emily never has sex. Because, like, Emily never gets to talk about having sex. All the other liars do. Or it's, like, very clear. Or there's a pink song about coming inside (laughs) while, like, Caleb pulls out a condom. Which I know I point out all the time, but that's because it's ridiculous. Um, But, like... You could watch PLL and be like, oh, what? Like, Emily just, like, made out with Maya on a bed or, like, made out with Allison in a bed or, like, made out with Paige by a pool. And then they swam <laughs> some laughs. Um, and so, you know, like, um, it's never, there's never, like, a definitive moment unless you're, like, looking for it where it's, like, undeniable that that has happened. So, um yeah, I, and I get that, like, Teenage Bounty Hunters is on Netflix and, like, they can be a little more out there. But still, it, it, um, I appreciate, I appreciate that aspect of it. Well, I, I think, thank God, like, thank God that, like, streaming services are making shows like Love, Victor and, like, Teenage Bounty Hunters where the queer romances don't have to be subtextual, where they can be, like, a main ship and where it's, like, a main part of the show, yeah, absolutely. Yes, it's not a it's not a side character. It's not a you know sort of shoehorned into the into the edges of the episode kind of thing. Um, and it's not like yeah, it's it's really it's the the narrative is centered around it, which is just something that I I really really appreciate. Um, and I would not be myself if I didn't point out that. Um, my new conspiracy theory is that uh, Taylor Swift wrote the album Folklore based on <laughs> this show. Because, my goodness, just about every song on that album can be, like, read through the lens of uh, of Teenage Bounty Hunters. It's really, it's really something. Uh, I like the reverse conspiracy theory that Taylor Swift wrote some of these episodes under one of her pseudonyms. I like that, too. I, I'm, 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 good with, I'm good with either theory. Well, but I, I also feel like... Um like folklore as an album and teenage bounty hunters as a show are like two of the best pieces of recent entertainment to emerge during this pandemic. So I'm really glad, especially like queer and queer ish entertainment. uh, I'm really glad that there's like a lot of mental overlap between them. Yeah. I mean, in that scene where, um, where Sterling says to April, you know, has this always been between us? And it was just paralyzed. Like she is essentially quoting the lyrics of Invisible String, which I will point out has a line about when you were 16 at the yogurt shop. I mean, come <laughs> on. 
a great call out. Of, yeah. Oh, really? Yes. Really yeah. fantastic. Um, yeah. I mean, and I think that, well, there's like a real yearning, I think to that yeah. album and there's, and like that, that just the, it's like the teenage experience. And like, this is all about being a teenager and figuring out who you are and how you fit into the world. And like, who are the people who you can count on? Who are the people who are going to be there for you? Uh, mm -hmm. and like, what kind of person are you going to grow into? Like, is your, is the family that you're born into your destiny? Are the choices that you make your destiny? Like, I, I just think there's, uh, there's, there's so much to both of those, uh, to both of those pieces of art that really speak to each other. Yeah, I agree. And if I end up, doing the exact same project that I did with PLL with folklore with change bounty hunters with folklore. <laughs> I don't think that will happen, but it could happen. Um, if it does happen, that would be just fine. <laughs> um, did you want to talk at all about uh, the, the element of guns on the show? Oh yeah. Well, like we were talking about, um, like we were talking about how you see, uh, you see Sterling, like having an orgasm and masturbating and thinking about April, which is not something that you see teenage girls do on, on shows really. Uh, this is another, like these girls are being raised in like a conservative Christian culture and we get to see them have guns, carry guns and shoot guns in a casual way uh, that I feel like is usually reserved for dudes on action shows. Uh, and I, I think mm -hmm. that that is really interesting. Even we do see Emily shoot a gun on PLL in a controlled setting at a target range. Uh, but these girls, like Blair goes hunting with her dad and her uncle and her grandpa uh, and is, is shooting animals. And we also see uh, Sterling is like an ace shot. She shoots out the tires of a car at one point. Yeah. She, shoots out, uh, she shoots out some like overhead twinkle lights uh, that then break a bunch of glass at the feet of a fleeing perp at one point. So uh, I, I just think that it's very, it's very interesting that that's another thing uh, that we get to see like teenage girls do on this show uh, that you don't see. And like, you don't have to, again, with like with the religion, you don't have to be a gun person to like be interested in that element of the show. Like it just, it makes sense why they are. Yeah, that's that's true. Yes, it definitely makes sense with like the culture of of how they're growing up. And I also really appreciate with that that like they each kind of get to have a special skill. Like um, Blair is quite athletic and she's really fast and strong, and that really comes in handy with her bounty hunting. Um, Sterling is this ace shot and um, very you know very smart and like very clever, and that gets to come in handy. Um, and also, um, you know, one of the interesting elements of the show is like that they're that them being like young, white, moneyed girls uh, gives them access to places that Bowser does not have access to. Yeah, I agree. I, you know, talking about like what we think is going to happen on the show, I really enjoyed the way that Blair. Uh, was able to like get a lot of emotional support from Bowser. Like Blair isn't yes. somebody who has a lot of other friends on the show. Like really you mainly see her interacting with Sterling or with whatever guy she's dating. Uh, and, and in the course of like when she's then fighting with Sterling uh, and when she's going through a breakup, like 
it's just interesting, like, the way that she gets emotional support. I think that Blair is going to have a harder time forgiving their parents than Sterling is. I agree. I agree. I could, I, I could see Blair have, having, like, moved out and living in the back of the yogurt shop at the beginning of the new season. <laughs> I could see that. I could definitely see that, too. Yeah, I agree. I, I One of my favorite little moments is when Sterling is missing and they've just had the reveal that the moms are twins. And both of the parents are, like, freaking out and calling the police and, like, trying to organize. And Blair is like, I just want everybody to know that I am very upset right now. <laughs> I feel very betrayed. And like my whole world is falling apart. Like I know that we're worried about Sterling, but like I just need us all to know that I'm very upset. That feels, that feels very Hannah to me. Like being like, this is what I, I just, I, that also, actually that's very Aria too. That's very Aria to be like, let the record show. I was almost, I almost had my eye poked out with a knitting needle today. Like, <laughs> Yeah, I I really like after the reveal, uh, after the reveal that like their mom has a twin, uh, and Blair says, "Are you identical?" And when her mom says yes, she's like, oh, "Even a more impressive twin type." Like she's <laughs> she's like holding that against her too. Oh well, and on the twin beat, I mean, to contrast again with Alex Drake, like I love that Sterling figures it out really quickly. And then mm-hmm. Sterling gets to be smart and observant in that scene. Like it takes her a few beats, but then she really quickly puts it together and catches um, her her aunt mom in a trap. And it's so it's so gratifying. It's not like it's not like we go through. I mean, it's really quick, and it's not like we go through half of the episode of like, you know, Sterling having to act like an idiot for not figuring it out. Yeah, I I really like that too. I think it. Like they have confidence in their characters, and I just think that 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 shows through uh, in every part of it. And it's it's not only confidence in their characters, but it's like it's a compliment to their audience. It's like they treat the audience the way that Buffy and Gilmore Girls treated the audience with like the rapid fire banter. They don't assume that the audience is stupid. They don't assume that the audience needs like three let's catch up and talk about what we're all thinking about the mystery scenes per episode. Like they just, they, they just trust you to be able to keep the fuck up. Exactly. Exactly. And to, and to be able to like put the pieces together of like, Oh, like this character is probably thinking about this thing or like going through this thing in this moment. Like it's not all um, there's, there's not a lot of like, is everybody paying attention kind of moments, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And like, and, and they just like, they lead with like emotional truths that don't make, like, I love the, what they did with the reveal that the mom had a twin, because when you first find out, it's like, Oh, that seems inevitable. And it seems like, Oh, I, you know, we really should have guessed this because the whole show is about these twins at the core. So it's almost like, I said it was like Harry Potter, like the end of of uh, Prisoner of Azkaban, when Harry knows that he can summon a Patronus because he saw himself do it before, but he didn't understand it was him. Like, it seems like, well, of course the moms are twins because this show is about these sisters who are twins. Twins run in families. We should have known the mom had a twin. But then the logic of that implodes because then you find out that Blair and Sterling aren't twins. And so it's like, it's a really nice reverse. It's it's really, I, I felt like that was really unexpected. 
And it's, I totally agree. And it's not, a, it's not a gotcha moment, you know? Yeah. It's just a real, it just, it just is like, oh, right. Like it just kind of, it just kind of um, makes sense. Like it works, it works really well. Well, yeah, and it's a show, like, I mean, I we've said before, like, on the PLL podcast, like, I don't believe in cash bail. I think it should be abolished. But this is a show, although it's about teenage bounty hunters, it's a show that doesn't have villains. Like, the skips are shown as, as being human. Uh, they have a lot of conversations about, like, what's right and what's wrong and what, like, whether it matters if someone is guilty or innocent. Um, you know, there, there are conversations about that throughout the course of the show. And even like, even Dana, who is Sterling's real mom, like the moment that she drops the bomb, the moment that she reveals that you're not without empathy for her. She's not a villainous character. Uh, you understand what her motivation is. So I think it's really interesting that they made, they made this show that remains compelling, uh, but but doesn't have like it doesn't have a big bad. Yeah, no, I I completely I completely agree. Um, and yeah, that moment w- like that moment works because Dana is not just this like Machiavellian villain. Like she's a she's a person and she's you know she's broken and she like you feel for her there in that moment when she's sort of when they're doing the twin thing and she's saying you know let me have this one thing. Um, and I love that Sterling like kind of tries to appeal to her better nature and tries to, you know, say like, you can be a good Christian and all of that, you know, it's really good. Yeah. I love, I love the strength of Sterling's faith. Like I love, and I, I love that about April too. Like when April says like, I'm a lesbian, but I know that God made me like this. I, I really like the way um, especially like in, in organized religion and, and I was raised Catholic. So like, that's even like a step removed. Like you have a relationship with your priest who then like is the person who like interprets what God is saying or wanting or, or anything like that. Um, but like, I love the way that they just have both of them a bedrock certainty that like God exists and moves through their lives. Uh, and it's up to them. It's up to them to like, define that and say how that happens and what it means. It's not up to like their church or their parents or their school. Uh, I think that that's really, really like a a great take uh, and one that you do definitely don't always see like on shows that deal with religion. Yeah. And I really like that. Like, it's not, it's not all this black or white thing, like how they have their, their pastor character who's like kind of goofy and kind of weird, but like, he's not like, like when they introduced that character, I was like, "Oh God, is he going to be like a like a creep, or like a like kind of a weirdo, or like end up being a skip or something like that?" And it's like, no, he's just kind of this like sort of awkward guy. Or and like the same thing with Ellen, like their their teacher, who again you see her at first and you're like, okay, so she seems really broad, or she seems like she's going to be sort of this foil character, and actually she ends up being like so lovely and sweet and supportive and like just genuinely like loves these kids and so it's 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 nice to like that's that does feel you know i i worry about ellen i think that um if i do if i do have a prediction 
uh, for season two. I think that like Sterling is like so sweet and naive and like she when she's selling the coming out thing to April, uh, she really like says like these are the people who are going to support them and she believes that Ellen will support them. And I actually, I kind of agree with her. I, I kind of do. Yeah. Think, I kind of do think that Ellen would would back Sterling up. Um, but I worry that that is going to cause trouble for Ellen. I, I worry that like supporting Sterling or supporting Sterling in April uh, is is going to lead to Ellen being in some trouble with the school potentially. Yeah, I know. Ellen is almost, like, too sweet. You Like, it's, I, not in a way where I'm like, oh, there's, like, something wrong with her, but in a way where I'm like, oh, like, you could get really crushed by this system. Which, which April wisely points out. She's like, sweet, submissive Ellen is going to stand up to the, you know, the, the private school parents who pay her, pay her way. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, well, but I'm, I'm excited. I, do you think Ellen already knows about Blair? Like, I, I kind of think that Ellen might already know about Sterling and April or have an inkling about them for sure. Especially because, like, they spent a, a reasonable amount of time making out in her <laughs> office. Well, second question. So I think possibly, yes. Is Ellen queer? Oh, I mean... Maybe. I, I don't know. I don't know if Ellen's queer. Um, she certainly could be. Her name is Ellen, after all. Uh, but I also was wondering if maybe, uh, if maybe Yolanda and Bowser don't work out, if Bowser and Ellen uh, could wind up being a couple. Oh, I see. I thought you were going to say Yolanda and Ellen. Oh, <laughs> even better. But I can see Bowser and Ellen making it work. I think they could be they could be a very they could be a very sweet couple. And I mean, my goodness, they'd be like the sweetest. I mean, they'd be like the most supportive surrogate parents to Blair. Exactly. And exactly. Yeah. yeah, they really would be. Um, yeah, that that is that that is that is something. Um, do we have more that we want to say about this great show? I mean, I could talk about this show for days, but I just feel like if you like PLL, this is definitely a show that you're going to be into. Uh, if you're if you're interested in like good, solid queer relationships on TV, this is a show you're going to be into. If you're into like action adventure type shows uh, or shows with like rapid fire dialogue, this is just, it, it hits so many. Uh, it hits so many of my buttons. Uh, it's it's one of the best things I've seen in a while. Totally agree. Also, the music is great. We didn't really talk about that, but it has really great music choices. Um, yes. Yeah, it is such a good show. Um, I also just, the the two lead actresses are so good. Like, they're so great. They have such good chemistry. They're funny. They're heartbreaking. They feel like real people. Like, I really hope, um, I hope that this show gets a second season, and I hope that those two leads, like, get cast in all the things, because I think that they're really, really good. Me too. I, I feel like this is going to be one of those shows that like years from now, we're going to watch it and be like, wow, ex now famous actor started out on Teenage Bounty Hunters. Like, because I hope so. that's, it's, it's really well cast. And that's really the vibe that I get from it. 
And I really appreciate that, you know, much like PLL, it's like, it's mostly like relatively unknowns. I really yeah. like that about it, you know, um, yeah. especially of the, of the younger, of the younger cast or the, yeah, the, like the teen cast. Um, yes. Please watch Teenage Bounty Hunters. It is so, so, so good. Um, and yes, we, we promise you'll like it. You will like it. I will be very surprised if you do not. Um, yeah, and if you have watched the show and have like theories or just feelings or whatever, you please, please, please feel free to send us an email at everybodyapodcast at gmail.com. Um, of course, you can always uh, check out our Instagram at everybodyapodcast or send in a rating and review on iTunes. Um, yeah, so good, guys. Please check it out. And then, and we will be back, of course, next week with uh, your regularly scheduled PLL. Until Til then. then, take care.